0: we tape Discover Lafayette with the support of Raider, a managed IT service provider that offers world-class service, including cybersecurity, communications, and technology support. With Raider, you have just one vendor and one number to call, allowing you to concentrate on what is most important, your business. For more information, visit RaiderSolutions.com. Our guest is Corey McCoy, CEO of KOK Wings and Things. The restaurant was founded in 2016 when Corey, Avery Bell, Trejan Vincent, and Jared Johnson were Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity brothers at UL Lafayette. They would cook chicken wings and sauces for friends. Their wings were so popular, they started their own business out of their home kitchen on Clinton Street. With a solid track record of growth, KOK Wings now has locations in Lafayette, New Iberia, and Baton Rouge. Corey and his partners have grown their company from the grassroots level into a multi-million dollar company with over 50 employees. KOK was awarded the Young Entrepreneurial Business of the Year Award by the U.S. Small Business Administration's Louisiana District in May of 2022. In March of this year, Corey was honored as a Top 20 Under 40 Acadiana Leadership recipient. Corey McCoy, I'm just so thrilled to have you here. I have seen you at different meetings and you're usually on panels, and people want to hear what you have to think. You've done a lot in a very small period of time growing your business, and you have great ideas for Lafayette. So thank you for making time today.
1: No, Thank you for having me. Yes. I really appreciate being here.
0: Yeah. So um, talk about you before we get into the business. You, you're not from Lafayette, right? Although you ended up here.
1: No, at, not from Lafayette. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a military kid. Um, so I was born in North Carolina, actually. Uh, shortly thereafter moved to Texas, then Missouri, then Georgia and then oh, wow. graduated high school in Georgia and then finally came out to Lafayette. Um What to brought go you to, to
0: Lafayette?
1: Well, my dad lived out here um and we grew up in separate homes so my dad lived out here and when I was going to college. I just wanted to, you know, form a better relationship with him. Mm-hmm. He is also in the fraternity that you mentioned, Cap okay. Alpha Psi Fraternity yeah. Incorporated. So um when I was deciding to pledge, I decided to come out here and pledge with him. Uh-huh. So. He must have been thrilled. Yeah, he was very excited about
0: it. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever think you'd want to be in the military?
1: Ah, uh, yes. In a weird way, in a military kid way. Not in the sense of um. I, I, I call it a different kind of patriotism when you mm-hmm. grow up in the military. It's like, of course I wanted to serve my country, mm-hmm. um, but all of those things were so, um, inherent thoughts. That that's not really why I was doing it. It's right. more so, hey, this is a great way to pay for school, a great way to get your benefits off the mm-hmm. ground, a great way to give you time to, you know, decide right. what you really want to get into. Right. I actually took the ASVAB to skip math class one day, which is the military test, you mm-hmm. know, to get you in. <laughs> so I was just trying to skip math class. <laughs> I ended up scoring very well and getting a pretty good job in the military. So, Oh, what'd you do? Um, I was 35 golf, which is military intelligence, uh, imagery analyst. Really? Yep.
0: So you did that during
1: Um, I did that um, as a National Guard. I okay. was in the National Guard, so uh-huh. did that for six years um, and then got out after my first contract.
0: I but, didn't yeah. realize that.
1: Yep, yep. Um, my dad was very—he <laughs> did not want me to leave that job because, you know, you had right. to get, like, a top-secret military clearance mm-hmm. and things like that, but— I think I, th- I think I made a good choice.
0: I think so. <laughs> Did that pay for your college?
1: Uh, yes. It was supposed to. I, I, I'm trying to. I'm trying to get with the VA and make Still. sure all of that stuff is cleaned <laughs> up. But yes, it
2: so was you had to pony
0: to. up your money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell me about you and your friends. So mm-hmm. you all were in the fraternity, Kappa Alpha Psi mm-hmm. Incorporated, and y'all were, were y'all best buddies, like,
1: yeah, pretty much. Um, None of us really had plans of starting a business together. We, Like you were saying, we were just fraternity brothers mm-hmm. um, enjoying ourselves, and our house was kind of the place to hang out I at bad. the time. So
0: You lived on Clinton Street. Yep, lived
1: on Clinton <laughs> Street. As you know, it's real close to downtown, real uh-huh. close to a lot of different things. So it was fun having all the guys over, um, and we was trying to raise money for our fraternity. Of course, one of the main ways we do that is throwing social events. Yeah. So uh, we'd throw parties at our house, and then eventually needed money to pay for these parties so decided to start cooking Uh, we decided to start cooking wings sold out a couple of times Um, then we really knew we probably should turn it into a business when Mm -hmm. somebody just came during the middle of the week and asked if we were cooking wings so we were like man if they that good we, we might could really sell these things and ever since then
0: well, who was the chef? Like, was there one of you that really knew how to cook? Mm,
1: well, my dad is the chef. He's of the, the group, hero in this really, story huh? because he—he's always been cooking. He's always cooked for me and my friends, and I've always given him a hard time because he works in the oil field. And I was telling him, man, if he was an entrepreneur, yeah. I wouldn't have to work a day in my life because he cooked so well. I could have just, uh-huh. you know, grew up with the silver spoon. But, um,
0: so he taught you guys what yeah, to I do? Yeah, I took
1: one of his recipes. His chicken wing recipe is actually our, you know, traditional recipe for the KOK wing. Mm-hmm. So, I took his recipe. Um, we made our own sauces and things like that. And, um, It took off from there. So, yeah, I would say he's an inspiration behind the cooking side of things.
0: I've met several people through the podcast, Corey, that have started businesses at home. And with the, you know, all the regulations on food, Mm -hmm. you, you were under the radar, Y'all were just doing this for friends.
1: Um, And I I think that's an important part in a lot of business. A lot of people um, going to business and thinking about all the legalities, LLCs and things Mm -hmm. like that. It's an important stage of business. And that's why um, I have a passion for people who are in the grassroots stage Mm -hmm. where a lot of those. You know, kind of like red tape that'll keep you out of business. Like, how do we form our Mm -hmm. LLC? Who are we banking with? A lot of those different things can keep you from understanding a lot of the foundations of business that you need to understand before you make a lot of those decisions. So there's a time period where business owners really need to spend just kind of doing what they do.
0: Getting good at what you want to do, Exactly,
1: Learning how money comes in, Mm -hmm. learning what type of customers you have, learning kind of like the different phases Mm -hmm. of business before you make major decisions on how your business structure. So So the
0: four of you would just like chip in money and cook.
1: Yeah, we all started we started with $250. You did? (laughs) Yeah. That's a lot of money though.
0: In college.
1: It was a lot of money. That was everything we had.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, so talk about that. So you're cooking the business the word must have like traveled around campus or Mm -hmm. did other people just show
1: up? It's one of the reasons I'm still so involved in the community now because we were in the fraternity. We would do a lot of work throughout the community, mm-hmm. a lot of work with the school. And so as the you know word started to spread that we were cooking and doing things, the community was a huge part of helping us get off uh, mm-hmm. our feet off the ground. We mm-hmm. had so many people who just wanted to come support based off us supporting them through so many different oh, okay. ventures. That before I would even say people really knew the chicken were good, they were mm-hmm. just coming to pretty much help us out and support us. Right. And then. Guess the chicken was pretty good because yeah. people kept coming back. So,
0: so it was the kitchen on Clinton. Yeah, that's how this got started. Yeah, that's and, the
1: acronym for KOK. Uh huh.
0: Yep. KOK wings and things. Mm-hmm. So, I guess you, at some point, you guys looked at each other and said, "We need to move to the next step." So what was the next step out, out of the house on Clinton?
1: Well, hey, as you spoke, we were kind of doing it under the radar mm-hmm. until the cops came knocking on the door and we're like, <laughs> hey, we, we hear y'all running the That was the next chair. step. <laughs> right. Run, <laughs> running down the street. <laughs> we were like, uh, all right, kind of need to change up the operation at this point. What did point. they say? Like what um,
0: literally the police I, came? I
1: told a little white lie. I can't I can't I can't lie. Um told them we were just doing a fundraiser, mm-hmm. short-term fundraiser, you know, nothing. Was it the police or like was, the
0: USDA? Or it,
1: it was the police. Okay. It was the police. And they were, um, they were just coming off an of anonymous tip, they say.
0: Somebody was jealous.
1: Right, of course. Or it might have just been one of our neighbors tired of us backing up Clinton Street traffic because oh. it used to <laughs> it used to have a bunch of cars out there every day. So um, we decided to get a food truck, and we couldn't afford, like, you know, a fully made food truck with all the aesthetics and bells and whistles. So Avery's dad was actually a welder, uh-huh. and he said, hey— hey, if y'all can find like a flatbed trailer, I can build a food truck out of it for y'all. So we went on Craigslist. Found the flatbread trailer for uh pretty cheap and then started just cooking in different neighborhoods and- um you drive and just park, yep, kind of? driving drive and park. Well, before the food truck was actually cooked, we used to have fryers that we would load up in like a U-Haul uh-huh. and then take it and do like a tent setup and cook at different places. So and that we way did the that. police
0: never knew where you were. That way. Really,
1: <laughs> you know? It helped us move around a little bit, you know, keep everything low, but K-L-K then it also helped us- also helped us raise money to actually build the yeah. food truck, our first food truck. So
0: that was so cool. Yeah. So which one is in law school? Which of your partners is graduating? Jerry Johnson. Jerry, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he's
1: graduating this semester. Yeah, from law
0: school. y'all are impressive.
1: Yeah, they, he's very impressive. Well, my, my partners. Are I think all four impressive. of you.
0: <laughs> so, so the food truck, I guess, helped you raise more money. Yeah. Did you think at that point we really want a physical location?
1: Uh, we knew we knew that was the way. Um, from being in college, and I think that's kind of how we learned things a little mm-hmm. bit quicker through osmosis because we were around so many different business people yeah. and different things that um, once we realized that we had a business, we just dived mm-hmm. head first and all right, if this thing's actually going to work, if we're actually not going to work any other jobs and do this, you know, full mm-hmm. time, um, let's take it serious and see how we can scale it and. We realized that food trucks are very big in Texas Mm -hmm. and other places, but really haven't, you know, hit home in Lafayette. Um, Outside of like Viva La Waffle and a couple of different brands that did well over here, starting from the food truck. Mm -hmm. Interesting fact: we actually our food truck is actually Viva La Waffle's old food truck. Oh, so that's a little Lafayette history for you. Our new box one um, that we drive around. Um, But long story short. Ah uh, decided we needed to do that mm-hmm. to be able to afford a brick and mortar yeah. later on down the road.
0: Right, and really, uh, the food truck industry I know is it's regulated and it's still mm-hmm. complicated though. Yeah, um, I know there's a food truck park mm-hmm. in North Lafayette on Moss, but that was you were way before this when you were looking for right, right, trying to sell. Um, wares. They, they really didn't have too much in town mm-hmm. um,
1: concerning food trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, That was even before they really started the food truck Fridays in the park and things like that too often. Um, It's definitely been picking up, um, but we we needed a food truck. And the bad thing about a food truck is you don't get... The consistency of customers from being in Mm -hmm. one spot and everybody knowing where you are, you do get to be mobile and hit different markets. But as you start to build up clientele, they want to know, hey, I can go to this spot and Mm -hmm. this is where they're going to be. So we spent a lot of time in different places with a food truck, but pretty much being stationary, we will park at the same spot. You know, for like three months until we built up enough traffic to where they would pretty much ask us to leave (laughs) nicely because our traffic was too much. And then that's Uh what actually led us (laughs) to being in the um, old Gallagher's uh, parking Mm -hmm. lot um, over there. Um, It was a lot of space. Um, right across the street From the school He was like uh-huh. It'll be a while Before somebody asks us To move from here Because it got Some pretty big parking lot Yeah
0: and great um, traffic like, Right So much traffic On university
1: And so as we started To build up traffic With the food truck there um, The opportunity Got presented to us To actually take over The restaurant
0: Did and you buy the property? We
1: didn't buy it um, Nadal actually gave us A pretty good deal He oh, let us know was that Nadal's? Um, oh. Yes okay. It's Nadal's property Balbisi. Um, yeah. Um Very, very uh, Great business man Um uh, Uh, Very very popular in town. Um, He's got
0: Agave's restaurant. mm -hmm. He's he's very, very Mm -hmm. successful.
1: Very successful. So he he gave us a lot of, you know, a lot of pointers, a lot of tips and tricks. And then he gave us the opportunity of a lifetime and let us, you know, lease the building as Mm -hmm. is. He gave us like rent free for, I think it was like the first three to six months. And just let us kind of renovate the building with the money that we were making before we started actual actually making payments. So it was And that's a trade. what really got us off the ground.
0: Yeah. Yep. Did Avery's dad help y'all with that too? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everybody
1: helped us. I uh-huh. mean <laughs> we we were renting forklifts and stuff from Lowe's. We didn't even know what we were doing <laughs> but, it
0: was fine. So let's talk about that. Were you still in college? Or yeah. were you okay? Because you, you graduated college. what,
1: 2018? I graduated yes, 2016. 16? I believe. Okay. Um I,
0: it's crazy. <laughs> I don't even remember. It's well, this you were too busy. I mean, <laughs> kind of busy.
1: Uh, I think it was it was 2016. I'll put it in perspective. I graduated right. When we were—before we got University um, Avenue. So we were still in the food truck, Uh still moving around from place to place. And I graduated school, and I actually— Ended up going to start teach at Acadian Middle. I taught eighth grade history. To pay um, your bills. Um, yeah, to pay my bills. Because I was 25 at the time. Yeah. All the rest of my business partners were younger than me. Mm-hmm. But as you know, at 25, you got to start paying your insurance and, and all And your of those student things. loans. Yeah, you got to yeah. start doing everything oh, yeah. yourself.
0: And that's a nice school. I've yeah, yeah. Um, Acadian Middle.
1: It was a great—and that was always my passion is teaching. i um educator at heart, so— um, I decided to go do that, and with the promise to my friends, because we had all quit our jobs at the time, um, that I would quit as soon as, you know, K.O.K. could Mm -hmm. start paying me any paycheck, Mm -hmm. whether that was, you know, $10, $25, because we weren't paying ourselves at all during those first two years. So, um,
0: I read that you all, you are talking about scaling your business, mm -hmm. but I read that the four of you, uh, you, Avery, Trayvon, and Jared, figured out that you needed to— figure out who was going to do what what type of the, the right. job. Like, I'm not saying it eloquently, but you knew that you all had to have your own responsibilities to mm-hmm. keep this thing going. Because, well, you know, sometimes people will start a business with friends and there's one person that does all right, the, the right. work and the others flounder. And, it you know, businesses can fail easily right, without right. an organizational chart. Um,
1: since the beginning, we, we set it up to scale. And I think that's one of the things that allowed us to scale Mm -hmm. so quickly, because even when we were just in the house, cooking in the backyard, um, like I was calling myself the CEO back then mm-hmm. and we 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 separated it um by branches pretty much like an executive department, an operations department, a marketing department, okay, and then a finance department. Um so we all called ourselves, you know, the chief operating officers or whatever, yeah. you know, a department that was. And that was just an easy way for us to divide mm-hmm. up tasks. Hey, after the night's done, whatever money we got, Jared's gonna count up posting the stuff on Instagram is Jared's job. I mean, Trey John's job. Avery's mm-hmm. job is getting all of the food and everything and then my job is kind of sitting in the background putting all the pieces together, yeah. um making sure everything's flowing right. So, um that allowed us as we started to get more tasks not to be confused about, you know, who needed to do what and mm-hmm. allowed us to kind of Give us ourselves a path to focus on growth because I I feel sorry for any business owner who's in it by themselves from the beginning. It's so many different areas you have to grow in. It's hard to decide which one is most important at the time. So Mm -hmm. having that partnership allowed us to kind of just focus in our own niche and allowed us to grow and focus on growth individually instead of having to worry Mm -hmm. about all of the blind spots we weren't covering.
0: Did you get help from local uh, partners like Opportunity Machine or the Small Business (sighs) Development? A
1: Uh, bunch. Heidi Malanson
0: is one of my heroes. Yes.
1: Heidi Heidi is the reason why we even have our name on that sheet next to that award. Um, Heidi got us started with the Small Business Development Center. Mm -hmm. Um, We got our first loan um, through them. We did so many different free consultations and programs, like I always give back um, to them. Anytime they ask me to do anything over there, um, Mm -hmm. whether it's the business school or UL or um, LIDA or anybody um, in that framework, I always help out because we literally would not be where we are today Without them pushing us in the right direction. Because Mm -hmm. we had all the good ideas, but as far as like the framework to really be able to to scale a business, they set us up with all those things. Because I'm
0: thinking you went from the police knocking on the door to having to figure out taxes. (laughs) Right. Not just income taxes, but sales taxes and reporting and right. It's a lot I, I tell of the story all
1: the time. We weren't even charging tax for like oh. the first one or two years. It wasn't until an accountant came to our our, our truck. Um, shout out to Adam over at Darno and Sykes. I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, tax company here. Um, but he came and he was just a customer of the food truck. And he had came and he was like, wait, y'all aren't charging tax on your plates? And we were like, uh, no, we kind of got it included in the price. And he was like, uh, take my car,
0: uh-huh.
1: come by and talk to me. I'm going to get y'all straightened out. So ever since then, um, we fixed our pricing models, mm-hmm. did a lot of different things with that. Because before, um, like a lot of small business um, who's just getting started off the ground, kind of just price it off what they feel, right. you know, people are willing to.
0: Willing to pay for it or that doesn't what they get think you is affordable. A sustainable but model. It doesn't. It doesn't. Because nobody ever. really wants to pay much. Right, they? exactly.
1: And if uh-huh. you base your price off feelings, you'll never be in the right, feelings, yeah. the, the right price and model. So that helped us out a lot, right. too.
0: So, y'all opened up your physical location first, um, University, mm-hmm. across from UL. And I don't know when all this happened, but I heard you on a panel talking about, um, you know, people, neighbors can complain about things like. Noise violations mm. and all. I mean, it doesn't look like you have a rowdy place. No, um, you um,
1: know, <laughs> it's only one day out of the week on Sundays, not every Sunday. Um, we'll have um, a DJ and things like that. Um, I think it's important that you, the city has outlets. When people don't have anything to do, Is when they get into trouble. trouble. Exactly. Like um idol mind is the devil's playground, as they like to say. So um we like to provide a safe environment for um kids who are our age when we started the business and Mm -hmm. college kids and just the younger crowd in Lafayette to be able to do something. Um and also when we're talking about keeping the youth in Lafayette. Mm -hmm. You need things like that so they don't feel like they're missing out every time they log mm-hmm. into social media and see their friends all mm-hmm. over these other places having fun. You know, they look inside their own city and they're like, hey, where can we go to have fun? Well, you know, what's our spot? So we like to provide that. And mm-hmm. through providing that, of course, it's come with its own challenges. But we've we provided a safe space for people to do that for years at this point. And I feel like that is really what it should speak to is, hey— the, this this might not be our cup of tea per se um whoever's you know giving the noise complaints but more so looking at it from a macro perspective and being like hey kids are coming here they're having mm-hmm. fun they're not causing too much trouble right. it's one day you know once out of you know three weekends a month i I, I think I think it's safe and I think it's productive. Mm-hmm for the city. Not to mention we're very active in the community. We give back. Um we're always doing things to help out. So it's almost like somebody picking on one little thing they don't like. They don't realize if we were to stop doing that, not only would the business lose a lot of capital that it makes, but when we lose that capital, it prevents us from being able to do all of the extracurricular stuff we do in the community, right. like giving back and things like that. Right. Because at the end of the day it's a business and you know you you have to run that a certain way. Mm-hmm. So um I think people don't realize the damage they do when doing things like that. But I mean that's that's why I do things like this. Right. To try to get the voice out there, right. you know, and try to keep it relevant.
0: I'm thinking about other universities, Corey, um I mean the ones I know kind of well. LSU mm-hmm. Um u t in Austin, there are a lot more restaurants around the university where right. like we've got downtown mm-hmm. and it's close, but it's not
2: right physically there.
0: right there mm-hmm. connected, you know, and so you really are one of the only restaurants I mean besides like Taco Bell or McDonald's or something. Yeah. I'm talking about a restaurant,
1: right. Where, and and that's what a lot it's, of people don't realize. Universities visualize
0: other universities. Yeah, they have it's, stuff all around the university.
1: And the only restaurants that really survive around that area are the ones in Freetown. You got mm-hmm. a Katie and a Super A. Yeah. You got Bordens that's been there forever. Um we we had um Taco Sisters before we got of Freetown. Everybody misses the Taco Sisters on that side of town, mm-hmm. I can tell you that much. Um but and that that's another thing that I'm passionate about is that downtown um connection. Um I've I've definitely been involved with Lee Lafayette and different things mm-hmm. like that. Um uh met Anita. Um sad that she's leaving. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I feel like Lafayette is missing out on a huge opportunity by not connecting the school to that downtown area mm-hmm. and then more so not connecting Freetown to the downtown area because that's such a thriving neighborhood that if they just made more relevant connections between downtown and Freetown, it would naturally, mm-hmm. you know, create that thing you're talking about where the students feel connected yeah, to the, the downtown synergy. area. Yeah. Right. But that'll never happen when you got noise complaints because college students make a little They noise. are a little rowdy. <laughs> so, I know. I know.
0: Right. So, you had one restaurant, and now I you know was reading you've you've got three. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, another one in New Iberia, and then in Baton Rouge. Um, how is all that working? That's a lot of are, you guys travel to manage the restaurants?
1: well, that that's specifically my job is the staffing. so uh, we've been working with a management team from day one, mm-hmm. probably before we can even really afford to have a management team. We were paying other people. Um, just to set up that structure because we knew that we were gonna grow. So we've had a couple of managers who's been with us for almost like four years now Who, as we've been able to scale, we've been able to grow with them and build other managers around them. So, that's specifically my job is to manage the management team, Mm -hmm. uh, take over the staffing of the company whenever there's holes, filling those gaps. So, some weeks I won't go to any of the locations and Mm -hmm. they're doing good. good, Right. That's a good week. The managers are doing what they're supposed Uh to. Other times I'm picking up doubles and people are like, man, one week you weren't working at all. Now it's like Mm -hmm. you're in a restaurant 24 7. And it's just picking up the those gaps because like you said the restaurant industry is um, an industry with a lot of turnover um, and a lot of different problems that occur and it's hard to find good people for a long time especially since it's kind of like a a beginner industry it's a lot of people coming Mm -hmm. to there when they're first getting into the workforce force and learning how to do their job so just filling in those gaps so it's been good it's been good and hopefully we can continue to grow as we find more good people.
0: I want to hear about COVID's impact on your business, both during COVID, because mm. I know you stayed busy, mm-hmm. uh, and then post-COVID with the employment issues. If you can touch on that, what, how did COVID impact KOK? Okay, okay.
1: Well, COVID definitely tried to hit us pretty hard. Not only—and one of the secret things was a lot of people don't remember these news stories, but chicken prices were through the roof um, during COVID. It was very ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So, um, we we deal with a lot of pricing issues, much less having people to come into the restaurant. What we were able to do, though, with the property we had on university was actually turn that whole parking lot into a drive-thru. So we really just were cooking inside, let people come through, kind of order like a Chick-fil-A line almost had people standing outside. They can mm-hmm. order when they first pulled in, drive around and park, and we were running their food out to them. And that that's really what kept us alive during COVID is that small shift in thinking and realizing. I think it was the fact that we had a food truck before we had a brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. We already had a lot of that in us, you know, to be able to improvise and do different systems with our cooking. Mm-hmm. So that got us through COVID and then we, we made a pretty good investment on university, even though we didn't own the property because we were thinking of the future and if they shut down inside dining ever again, you know, what we're going to do. A lot of times, the, a rule they passed was, you know, you can have outdoor dining as long as you had an open seating area. Mm-hmm. That's why we made that addition uh, okay. to the property. In the back? There. Like Yep, uh-huh. in the back to where we could now seat about 300, you know, 300 gosh. to 400 people out there. Wow. So, yeah. A, it, it doesn't
0: seem
1: that big. Yeah, it doesn't oh, seem that gosh. big. But once you go back there, you realize, yeah. like, we 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 got it decked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, well, that was for COVID. Yeah. It, yeah, it was for COVID. But um, it turned out to be able to turn our restaurant into more mm-hmm. of a community center now because we're able to host a wide range of events mm-hmm. that don't necessarily get into the flow of traffic of the restaurant. Yeah. So, it worked so f-
0: now post-COVID, your employees, you know, I know you've had some issues, like everybody's mm-hmm. having issues, but have you been able to navigate that pretty well and um, with your staff? Um, you definitely. Know, like-
1: um, but, and like I said, in the restaurant industry, you're always dealing with the staffing issues. So I, I would say what a lot of people just started dealing with during COVID is things that were already prevalent mm-hmm. in the restaurant industry when it came to staffing. One of the hardest thing was, paying people what they were That's what, what they wondering. deserve yeah. because you were making so much less money mm-hmm. during that period and um, relying on so many different government programs. They were keeping a lot of things afloat that when it came mm-hmm. to actually taking care of your staff who are also struggling mm-hmm. and going through this just like anybody else, it's like you don't want to have to lay anybody off. You don't want to have to cut anybody's wages. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have to cut anybody's hours. So that was the hardest part is – We actually started paying our staff a little bit more during COVID Mm -hmm. just to try to retain people. And I mean, we weren't long removed from that spot. So we remember being in their shoes. That's what I was thinking. You were all so young. It's not necessarily the best business decision on paper, mm-hmm. but I think I think that's one great thing about learning a business hands on, much more so than just the traditional like MBA right. route, is that you know, it it, it comes with different benefits because it, it blessed our business with such a culture of family that mm-hmm. was really proven at that point that people always feel like they got a place to come home to mm-hmm. at KOK. So that that's was good. a great time period for yeah. us.
0: Yeah. You must have learned so much yeah, about, about survival. Yes. So when you walk into one of the KOK restaurants in another town, is everything the same, you're consistent with your menu, or do you have variations?
1: Um, the menu is the same, yes. The people aren't the same. Um, the <laughs> Are they culture, different in New Iberia? <laughs> yes, they're different in New Iberia, very different in Baton Rouge. <laughs> So um, it's it's been learning all the different cultures <laughs> and and trying to merge them into what the company's culture is instead mm-hmm. of that you know unique region and I feel like that's probably one of the biggest things about scaling like it takes a while to mm-hmm. learn where you're at and what appeals to like those
0: Starbucks people.
1: huh yeah yeah like Lafayette um I would say is a uh, we're a town that likes to have fun but we do it in a more relaxed way than Baton Rouge mm-hmm. um. We'll, we'll drink on the weekends or people are drinking at home for the most part, you know, during the week and go out on the weekends. And Baton Rouge is like people at the bar at twelve o'clock on Monday. You gotta be ready. So you get you get a, a bigger range of customers and different things and just learning the different, you know, market trends of each area. Where is, is it in Baton Rouge? Um, it's in Mid City on okay. Government Street. Okay. Um, are you familiar with Electric Depot? Yeah. Um they got a big place called Stick Social mm-hmm. there. Yeah, we're oh, in the I same yeah, we're in the same complex as oh, Resting yeah. Social. So I think it's a, a good spot that kind of fits the mm-hmm. vibe of KOK and the energy that we bring and anywhere street. that we go. So, yeah.
0: There's so many good. Yes, yeah, it's. it's That's- I grew up in Baton Rouge, okay. and I mean, it was so different back in the day. Mm-hmm. And then it really declined. Mm-hmm. And there's been a major push. On yeah, it seems like there's a big
1: resurgence yeah. there, and it feels like we kind of got in early because they got so many things that are yeah. kind of coming that way. They're even talking about possibly building a train, a passenger train that goes from oh, New right Orleans to Baton Rouge. Yeah. And so, yeah, different things like that that we're excited about, and hopefully, you know, we benefit mm-hmm. from.
0: In well, the people near could eat future. wings on the train. Huh? Right. That'll you
1: know. be awesome. a <laughs> uh, Perfect. Picture. <laughs>
0: no. So tell me about your menu if you would. Like you mm-hmm. have more than chicken wings. What do people like?
1: Um we have chicken um like buffalo out wings, so the traditional like fried chicken wings. Um you can get them breaded, you can get them boneless. A lot of people uh don't know that we sell fish, fried oh. fish and fried shrimp. Um and got I would argue some of the best in town. Like a lot of people don't eat our fish because they come to a chicken restaurant wanting yeah. chicken. But once they do, it's kind of hard to get them back eating chicken because yeah. they're so addicted to the fish. So, I love fried fish. Um, yeah, definitely have to try that, especially yeah. the fish sliders if you haven't tried those, which are just little fish sandwiches uh-huh. that we sell. Did you come um, up with On them? Hawaiian Rolls. Actually, my friend Avery came up with that. My so business cool. partner Avery came up with those. Yeah. Um, but those are very popular, so we do that. Um, we... You can load anything at KOK, and what I mean by load is we have 16 different sauces— All right, So a lot of people don't realize that, too. We have a very wide range Mm -hmm. of sauces, and you can get any of those sauces on top of anything. So you can get your wings loaded, you can get your fries loaded, you can get your fish loaded, you Mm -hmm. can get your shrimp loaded with whatever sauce that you want. So it's just a fun way of, you know, mixing it up. It's like a thousand different ways to eat K.O.K., and that's probably one of the funnest parts, seeing what everybody's niche is and what they like.
0: You must- (laughs) exercise all the time because you're lean and in good shape, you know, to be serving (laughs) all this fried food.
1: It catches up to me sometimes. Mm -hmm. It does catch up to me. But yes, I try to stay very, very active. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shout out to Gladiators Academy in town. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I stay very active to try to keep some of those pounds off. Mm -hmm. I don't (laughs) know. Hopefully we, not to interrupt you, but hopefully we try to we're we're thinking about introducing some new menu items. I don't okay. want to let a cat out the bag too early, but some healthier menu options here in the future. So, yeah,
0: yeah. That's to maybe attract, yeah, some yeah,
1: of the older attract women some people their, yeah. who are trying to keep their trying form to keep de- their figures. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: right. Yeah, I don't know the marital status of all you guys, but y'all are a good looking group. Oh, guys. thank
1: you, thank you. I mean, the
0: women must. <laughs> flock around. Uh, we're, all, the team.
1: we're we're all single when it comes to being married. Um I would say personally definitely um is it's been a wild in the sense of, <laughs> you know, the potential of what you can do. Um I've realized over the years though being in my position um is very I got to be very cautious. Um because right now in the position I am and with so many different people depending on me mm-hmm. Like my business requires so much of my attention. And it's a little bit different um when you're just, I would say, just going to work or have a nine to five and there's nothing wrong with that. But um, you know, if you don't do good, it's kind of on you, and it doesn't, you know, hurt anybody else. Yeah. But if I'm distracted for whatever reason, a lot of people could, you know, mm-hmm. feel the effects of that. So just trying to stay focused as much as possible. Yeah. I think once I get my business to where I, I need it to smart. be, yeah. then, of course, you know, that'll always be there. Mm-hmm. Like at least that's what they say. but
0: <laughs> And that could change in a minute if you meet somebody exactly, that's like, oh, exactly. I can do both. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, what are your future plans? I mean, are you looking at maybe franchising KOK? Is that um, something? We
1: want to franchise. Okay. Um, we want to take over Louisiana first. Uh, we kind of want to become Louisiana's, you know, home wing mm-hmm. company. Um, anybody that comes from Louisiana, I would love them to claim KOK as, you know, the wings yeah. back home. And you got to try our wings back home. And I think once we do that, we'll be strategically set up to take over the south. Um, Because, as you know, Louisiana plays a huge cultural aspect um, in the South. Uh, People talk about Cajun stuff nationwide and worldwide. So our goal is to become, you know, the Cajun wing company of the Mm -hmm. South and then hopefully of the nation. And then, hey, maybe I'll get a a KLK in Jamaica one day and I'll retire. Oh, that'd be great.
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, you know, reading about Todd Graves with um, Raising canes, he's the Mm -hmm. wealthiest guy He's on the top of the Forbes list yeah, or whatever. And, it's possible. Uh, yeah, it's in Louisiana. Yeah, who would have thought that, Right. you know, a few years back? So um, I, I just see great things coming. So you were mentioning before we started taping that you guys want to give back to the community in mm-hmm. ways that you can, especially with food insecurity. And there's a big need in our community. If you can touch on that, your philanthropic. Uh, endeavors.
1: Well, like I said, um, way before we even started the business, we were involved in the community. And as we started the business and started realizing how much money we had coming in, it was really pressing on me to be like, okay— We've never seen this amount of money before. Yes, we have bills to pay and different things, but we also know what kind of impact we can make with this kind of money coming in. So we were involved in various things around town to the point I was like, let's kind of get focused and try to make an impact in one specific area or one or two specific areas where we can really, you know, hit it home. And so the easiest thing to do at that time was fighting the battle of food insecurity. Since we were a restaurant, we already had relationships with distributors and different things. We realized that we could, you know, help out easier this way. And so we started doing different things around town with like the Smile Action Center and Second Harvest Food Bank. That's when we got involved with them. Um, And we started doing an event every year called Kicking Hunger, which is like a big family day in the park where we would invite a bunch of businesses to come set up booths, a bunch of kids from around the region to come play a big kickball game. And we would feed all the kids, and then we would donate the Second Harvest Food Bank all of the money that we raised and wow. things like that. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we weren't able to do it this year with Baton Rouge opening up. We were yeah. just so busy and had different things going on. But we hopefully um, are able to pick that back up. We were able to start our— own nonprofit this year called KOK Cares. So we just got that off the ground. Was that um, a K
0: or a C? A <laughs> we did C- it with a C this K- time,
1: K- <laughs> <laughs> just just to try to, you know, be a little bit more corporate and not, you know, carry our <laughs> fraternity <laughs> lives on forever. But um, yeah, KOK <laughs> Cares, um, shout out to my president, Raina Morrison. Um, she helps me out a whole bunch. And with the introduction of the actual nonprofit, as you know, that's a whole nother business model. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to actually become professional at giving back as well. So, uh, took a year off to kind of get all the you know bells and whistles together, all the back mm-hmm. office things together, and hopefully you'll be hearing a whole lot more about that that's organization great. coming here soon.
0: Yeah, I've heard you speak also about Fightingville Fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about that? Was that I, I don't know much about all that. I've heard you speak on a panel.
1: Well, the, years back, the biggest thing is ever since they moved the Walmart
0: mm-hmm.
1: from off Evangeline throughway mm-hmm. on the north side, it's created a very big food desert. And even when that Walmart was there, there was a pretty significant food desert in Lafayette. But with that one being gone, um, it, it's created a big gap. And so there's been various initiatives throughout the city. Mm-hmm. Um, Fightingville Fresh is one of those things. To where they're just trying to pretty much give people the opportunity to be able to buy fresh produce and fresh groceries. And a lot of times uh, we take for granted, you know, that because when it's there for you... You're not even buying the vegetables. You're like, oh, I want to go eat this. I want to go eat yeah. that, vice versa. But when you realize it's not even available to you and the only thing you have available is, you know, low-nutrition items and processed foods, that's when it really becomes a problem. So I think hopefully um, with the new administration we have, that's something that they really focus on, one thing. But also just um, whoever can help is various initiatives like and Veil Fresh, like um, the mobile kitchen they do at Second Harvest Food Bank, to where um, if we get behind this, we can make an impact. But it's definitely going to take something a lot larger than a couple of nonprofits teaming up to really mm-hmm. fix that problem here in Lafayette.
0: To be consistently yeah, available, because we do take for granted just being able to get fresh lettuce and right, right. fresh food that's not processed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't get that at the Dollar General.
1: You don't. You don't. And if you look at other parts of town, they have such a wide range Mm -hmm. of selection, you know, to choose from, whether it's Rouse's or the Fresh Market or, you know, um, Nunu's, anything like that, that when you look at these places and realize the only place they have is possibly a Dollar General, and they only got like a frozen section full of processed Canned goods, yeah. Right. It's like, all right, that's not—it's not— Creating quality of life for everybody. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's yeah something people definitely need to focus on, and we'll do our part. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely can't fix the problem right. alone. Right.
0: Are there um, <clears throat> any questions you thought I would bring up that you were hoping to you know address? Uh, any?
1: Que- no, not not in specific. People people ask a lot of a lot of different questions. I want to ask a question to you. Okay. If you don't mind. Um. One. Wait. What got you? In the politics, and what role do you feel like businesses play um, in local government? Because that's one I've been trying to, you know, battle it with myself. Mm-hmm. Being a small business owner, I want to make impact, and I've thought of getting into politics myself. But not out of the passion of necessarily being in a specific position right. or, you know, making rules, but realizing that okay, you have to be in certain positions to make certain things happen. You do. But then again, not wanting to get too involved in politics to where it hurts, you know, my business. Yeah. Because I understand that's a concern too. So can you speak on yeah. that at all?
0: Yeah. Um When I was younger, Corey, I had the opportunity to work at the state level for the Secretary of State's office, Mm -hmm. and I learned firsthand how most government is run and kind of Mm tone-deaf to people's needs, and um, I set up something that I had to deal with businesses, and I realized back then that public service was in my blood, so I had to work with elected officials, I worked with all the clerks of court in the state and Mm -hmm. then around the country, but I learned quickly that government is there in my mind to serve the people. And so the only way you can serve is if you listen Mm -hmm. and work with people, listen to the the employees of government, listen to the people that you serve, and then try to come up with the best way at a fiscally sound, you know, price Mm -hmm. to deliver services. And um, I just love making things better than I found them. And so as far as what, what role should business play? I mean, business should be at the table with government. You know, I just ran for mayor president. I didn't right. bring that into my podcast this year until after the primary. But one of the shortfalls I've seen dramatically is Lafayette in particular doesn't really have its own cheerleader. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have one Acadiana, but there's no Lafayette Chamber of Commerce anymore. Yeah, And we should be holding hands, business, the university, government, nonprofits individuals that just want to make a difference. I think Lafayette has un, unbounded potential, mm-hmm. but I don't see us working together as a team. And I'm just talking about people. Right. Like I know you've had to fight some red tape yes. issues and <laughs> yes. you're tenacious, mm-hmm. but a lot of people don't have the means to mm-hmm. fight government. And you you and your you know fraternity brothers that are successful because you stuck with it, but I've just always wanted to make things better. and that's why I started this podcast. I wanted to promote the positive in Lafayette, and so I ran for office um, wanting to do that at a higher level. Mm-hmm. You can do You can make a difference not being elected, but at the end of the day, elected officials are the ones that have to introduce right. initiatives. They, they're the ones that have to fight for funding, have to get things done. And so as a side show, if you're on the sidelines, you can help. But I saw things I wanted to improve. I yeah. wanted to improve North Lafayette. I wanted to see people have access to things. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to see small businesses given the opportunity to thrive and grow. Um, there's so many things we can do. So you're letting me speak my heart, but that's, that's why <laughs> I ran. <laughs> no, I wasn't happy is. with the current administration. I, I'd experienced probably some things that you had. Mm-hmm. And I was shut down like I didn't count. And I thought— my voice counts, and so do others. So I stood up to it,
1: man, that's a, it's encouraging to hear yeah. <laughs> there's people still thinking that
0: way, yeah, but you know, I'm older, <clears throat> and, uh, I've had opportunities in life to where i had I had this opportunity. I could take off a year, right, you know, yes. but I mean, I'm at a different position in life than someone like you that's trying to you got to be present every day, like you're All saying right. to grow this business <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: so. Yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what the future holds. Um, yeah.
0: You might, you might be in to, there.
1: You know, hopefully <laughs> I, I don't to run to see change um, come, but yeah.
0: I have a feeling you might <laughs> throw your hat in the ring at some point.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Because you're
0: passionate. When you speak, you do get I'm
1: definitely passionate. Uh-huh. Um definitely want to see things change and um, just trying to do everything from our end mm-hmm. to do it while we can. Like you say, um, it's only so much you can do from the sidelines, but... Mm-hmm trying to be on the sidelines and not in the bleachers at least. Exactly, just watching at everything. the table, yeah. Right,
0: right. What what angers you the most? Is there something locally in our community or in this region that really makes your blood boil? Like, I, I can't believe this is going on. Yes,
1: yes. I think the one thing that angers me the most is the the talent that's overlooked in our youth. Um, It's just not enough. It. It, it should feel like if I'm talented and laugh yet, there's a various amount of lottery tickets. In a sense That I can get involved with That if I'm really talented I can get the support Of my whole community behind me Like who is the artist That we're promoting Who is the You know musician That we're promoting Who is the young teacher That came out of UL That we're promoting Is this is going to be The best teacher Like I feel like communities should champion people mm. And maybe you can't Champion everybody But the people Who have put in the work And earned that spotlight yeah. Like you have to Champion those people Because not only Is that going to make them proud of being from where they're from? But it's also going to attract other people to be like, hey, it's a lot of stuff going on over there. Maybe Lafayette is a place that I can go to. Um, We lose so much things to big cities because people also always think, well, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of things going on. But that's not necessarily true. You can have a lot of things going on with a few amount of people that care A whole lot. Mm -hmm. So I feel like a lot of times like we we say we're fighting for um, our youth to stay in Lafayette. But um, I get confused about where that comes in, because you're not going to keep the youth in Lafayette by landing real estate deals. You're not going to keep the youth in Lafayette by landing major sponsorships for corporate businesses. Mm -hmm. You're not going to keep the youth in Lafayette by opening up major corporate businesses in a local area, hoping it's going to attract people to stay. Because all you're doing is doing things that all the big cities that— There's people are trying to move to Mm -hmm. are doing on a much larger scale than you in the first place. So it's like you're trying to fight fire with fire. The only way to fight these things is to do what a lot of big cities no longer have the ability to do. And that's connect with the person, the individual Mm -hmm. inside the community. If Lafayette is the perfect size city, I've lived all over the country. I love Lafayette. Like, it's such an amazing city because it's not too small, but it's not too big either to where, you know, individuals are still very, very important and can make huge impacts and can really define what this city is. Mm -hmm. But if we spend all our time just worrying about... Drainage, real estate deals, and you know what I'm saying? Tax code, which I understand are very, very important, Mm -hmm. but you're going to be fighting for things that aren't even going to matter within the next 20 years. Um, And people think that places can't turn into ghost towns, but um, with things changing rapidly, we've already seen how the oil and gas industry Mm -hmm. and its changes have played a major effect in Lafayette. Who knows what the next major thing is going to be that can change entire industries you know um you don't know that so right now it seems Lafayette is really relying on the medical field which is a a good field to be relying on but don't put all your eggs in one basket because you never know what could change that can make that field, you know less relevant Mm -hmm. and now you're looking for people to stay in a place where you don't have no
0: opportunity for them. When I was running, I asked uh, you know, Gary Wagner, the UL uh, economics professor, mm-hmm. Dr. Gary Wagner. He coached me, and he's he was saying exactly what you're saying. The way to attract people and keep them here is not by bringing in business and enticing them with incentives. He's like, you get the people here because they want to be here, mm-hmm. and that's what you're talking about. Right. You have more quality of life initiatives, but also a mindset in the community that welcomes people, mm-hmm. that makes this a desirable place to to stay in exactly. and to move to. And a lot of people, I think, don't feel that. Mm -mm.
1: They feel like they got to move somewhere else to be special. And that's a problem. (laughs) <laughs> like whenever you're, you feel like I gotta move here to be special, I gotta move there mm-hmm. to make it. Like that's an issue because I could have had the same mindset. We gotta move to Baton Rouge to yeah. open up a multi-million dollar. We gotta move to New Orleans to open up a, and we did it right here out mm-hmm. of the backyard of Lafayette and grew it to be able to affect all these different communities. And we get to bring a piece of Lafayette to Baton Rouge, a piece of Lafayette to New Iberia, mm-hmm. and wherever else we're allowed to grow, like that. That should be important to Lafayette. Yeah. Much more so than how do we get all of these other people to pay attention to us? It's by championing your own people, is how you get other people to pay attention to Lafayette. Oh
0: my gosh. That that's beautiful. And it's it's true. It's it true. rings true. Right. It's timeless truth. Jason Sikora is here. Um, thank I Thank you am. for taping today. Yeah, of course. <laughs> See you writing notes over there.
2: Well, luckily, you asked some of the questions that I had here. I'm glad you guys talked about community outreach and plans for the future. First and foremost, Corey, thank you for being here. This is fascinating. Yeah, your passion and your intelligence and able to pick up on this so quickly. I mean, this is amazing. So congratulations. I'll throw you a softball first. Website. Social media, how do we find you? How do we get a hold of you? What are your hours? All that fun stuff.
1: Okay, cool. So, hours of operation, I'll go into that first. Um, it's 11 to 12 p.m., Monday through Thursday. And then Friday and Saturday, we stay open till 2 a.m. Mm. So, 11 oh, wow. a.m. all the way to 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, a
2: lot of hours of operation. So, no breakfast, but lunch through dinner right. through, through after late the bars. Night. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay.
1: Um, that's the hours of operation. Okay. Um, what was the other uh, question? We- website and social media. Website and social media. So you can find us on social media at Eat o K. Yeah, Eat Um, and the website is www.eatkok.com. Nice. Yeah, sure. now it's a, it's a, it's a little youthfulness. <laughs> <Well>, no, <laughs> I like it. Just a few
2: characters, easy to type right, out. Right, right. That's awesome. Do you guys still do the food truck? Yeah, we do. We have two food trucks now. Oh, really? So,
1: yes, we do the food truck. We have the trailer, which is hauled by another truck. And then we have the box truck. So, two different uh, food trucks. And trying to get more. Um, if you're interested, please contact us um, through our website. You can yep. book the food truck. Or you can contact us through email. Um, at eatkok.com. Okay. And you'll be able to go to our website. It's easy, seamless to get in touch with us, and we love doing catering jobs. Don't ever think anything's too small. Yeah. Of course, uh, if there's other bigger jobs that we have available, we'll do those first. But we also, like you said, like giving back to the community and just being present and something.
2: Yep. That's awesome. Well, I mean, one of, my, one of my first questions when you got here before we started taping was, would you do a, a Friday catering for us? And, oh, and, <laughs> and, and, and what I've seen over and over again is, is just, you, you just say yes and then mm-hmm. figure it out, right? So kind of on that line, I, I see a lot of things that you've done that have made you successful, being able to pivot, being able to just adjust. Any other advice that you would give an up-and-comer that's kind of looking up to what you guys did and how you did it?
1: Yeah, I would, I would tell them, Learn why the rules exist instead of playing by the rules. Oh. Because a lot of times uh, people try to play by the rules the whole time and it keeps them from being able to grow. Because a lot of the people who did grow didn't play by the rules whatsoever. So it's more so learning why those rules exist and why they tell you to do certain things and why they tell you not to do certain things so that you can understand the principle so you know when to apply it and when not to apply it. Like, I would never tell anybody if they had the funds and means to start a business out of their backyard, Mm -hmm. especially a restaurant. Like, no, go get you a location, you know, get a food truck. But at the same time, um, learning how to do that taught me so much about business that I would have never been able to learn in an MBA program or never been able to learn if I just had, you know, a big check to just go into invest into some building. So yeah. I think learning, you know, why rules exist and learning the why is more important than, you know, actually doing them. That's that's
2: amazing. I love that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to write that one down and keep that one <laughs> in my back pocket. What are your, besides obviously employees, uh, what's your biggest challenge? to run this business? I think the
1: biggest challenge is different markets. Like... No matter how good your food is, and I was talking to you about this a little bit earlier, like um, we got great chicken wings. That doesn't mean I want to fight Johnson Street traffic if I'm living all the way on Ambassador Caffrey to come get them. So um, you can make your brand as good as you can. You can make your product as good as you can, but there's going to be certain barriers that you're not going to be able to beat. Um, just by location or just by different things that you have. Um, some people are vegan. They can't necessarily eat K-O-K. You know, some people yeah. like a healthier um, diet. So it's a lot of different things where you're not going to be able to combat that. And it's more so learning how can I make the best of what I do have? And then the next decision we make, make sure that that decision is lined up against
2: all of these barriers. So Okay. Awesome. Uh Final question. So if, if I've never been to your place before and I want to get an idea of the essence of what you do, what do I order when I walk in? All right. I love this question.
1: <laughs> Because, all right, our most popular sauce is uh, called um, the Something Nasty sauce, which is crazy that it's even called that. (laughs) The Something Nasty sauce. Okay. It's a mixture of our KK (gasps) sauce, which is our homemade sauce that stands for Clinton Confidential and Sweet Rub. That's our most popular sauce. So it's called Something Nasty. It's a combination of those two flavors. But anybody who is a KOK veteran and has been eating there for a while and knows their way around town. Yeah. You order the double dip breaded wings. All right. Double dip yes. breaded wings. Double dip breaded wings. When I tell you, once you start eating these things, you'll be so addicted to them that you're going to, you're de- I guarantee you go back, you know, two or three times after that. Get the double dip breaded wings. Uh, I'm writing all this down. Or get the fish sliders. Those are the two secret menu items I would say that are so addicting that a lot of people
2: uh, miss out on. Okay. All right. Well, you guys heard it here first. Heading over to KOK and uh, get some double dip breaded wings. Corey, again, thank you for being here. Uh, we'll get you over here one of these Fridays to uh, to you know cater us or something like that, and uh, maybe bring the food truck over or something. Of
1: course. Thank y'all so much for having me. And once again, Jan, I told you off microphone, but I think it's amazing what you did um, thank you. during this race. I, I think it's I think it was hard to do. It wasn't an easy choice, but I think the choice you made created such an impact. And hopefully, you know, we can see that impact as the years go along. And um, although a lot of people will forget, you know, specific moments in history that cause certain things, um, there's people who don't forget those things. So I appreciate what you did, and I thank you for it. I appreciate if nobody you. else has told
0: you, thank you so much, Corey. Of course. I want to thank you, Corey McCoy, CEO of KOK Wings and Things. I look forward to hearing so much more success from you and your partners, and. I want to thank uh, Jason Sikora for taping our show today and, and for Raider, particularly particular Chris Raider for his generosity. If you haven't yet, please visit discoverlafayette.net where you can find Corey's interview along with over 350 others. And uh, if you haven't also subscribed, you can get Discover Lafayette wherever you get your podcast. On behalf of Discover Lafayette, I'm Jan Swift. Thank you for joining us.